Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat here on this Monday, July 25th. We are getting into the dog days of summer. We're in the dog days of summer. We said that last week. This is the time where we now have about six weeks between now and even an inkling of a training camp story. There's still some stuff to be done if you're general manager Ron Hex, or at least it seems that way. But we'll discuss everything. He did get something done late last week, which was the Kasperi Kapanen deal. Horwat, that's where we're going to lead off this show. Kasperi Kapanen signs with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Two more years at $3.2 million, avoiding salary arbitration that was scheduled for later this week on July 30th. So what were your reactions to the deal, especially considering he didn't take a pay cut and he didn't get a pay raise? He's making the exact same amount as he did last season. Man, it made me angry. Man, it made me angry. Because <laughs> you know what's going to happen, right? Dan Hyden still hasn't signed. No. And this whole talk at the beginning of the offseason was, okay, we're going to tr- re-sign Heinen and let Kapanen walk or, you know, or Kapanen's going to make uh, league men at his level and uh, for a year walk him to UFA, go from there. One or the other. Well, now we are back with Kasperi Kapanen and Dan Heinen is still a free agent and we're paying Kapanen, oh yeah, the same amount. What's going to happen that's really going to make me mad and the point I'm trying to get to here, Heinen's going to sign for less. Probably. Heinen is going to sign for less money than that and that is going to make me furious this is a i'm gonna say it i don't care the penguins disappointed me this is a bad deal i kasperi kapanen may have rebuilt his uh what's it called his uh adulthoodness up not even that but like his adulthood is off the ice stuff i mean he had maturity issues that's the word he had maturity issues in toronto sure he may have fixed that here in pittsburgh but uh that doesn't earn you $3.2 million a year. You know what does? Scoring goals, being consistent, get, make, helping this team win. He did none of that this year, mm-hmm. and suddenly he's re, repaid for it. I Sure, sure. I get that Hextall said at the beginning of the offseason that he wants to see, and the team wants to see, an improved captain next season. That's great. Make him earn it. Mm-hmm. Make him earn it. Because now he doesn't have to. Now he is coasting at that same price for hopefully more production. I We all hope he does better. I don't think there's a question of that. It's just a matter of we. most of us probably didn't want him here. I mean, we were all clamoring for him to be traded at the deadline. Mm-hmm. And then we all wanted him to be voided out and sent to UFA status. Um, yeah, the fact that he is here is upset. Not upsetting, but... The fact that he's here goes against what we wanted, and then now it's at that price. Mm-hmm. It makes things hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Do we want him to do better? Of course. He's going to be on our team. He's going to be playing for us. He might be playing with Malkin because our bottom six is terrible. He's one of the terrible players on the bottom six. So we just want to see him improved and actually play like he should be making $3.2 million for two seasons. Whereas, again, Dan Heinen is not going to make that much. I guarantee it. Well, here's the thing about this deal. And, and I think I'm on the opposite end of you partially. And that's that's that the fact that it is okay that Kasperi Kapanen is back. That's not a bad sure. move to bring him back. But I do agree that bringing him back at the same amount that he was making last year when he scored 11 goals and 32 points in 79 games is not enough. 
ideally, he is your best bottom six guy this year. That is where you need Kasperi Kapanen, but you're paying him as if he is that swing man between the bottom six and the top six. If an injury happens, we all know that it's going to be Kasperi Kapanen that gets bumped up, but that's for lack of a better option. With him making 3.2 and signing to the same amount that he made the last two seasons, because two years ago, when he was first brought back to the Pittsburgh Penguins, he was all right. He, he played fairly decently, scored 30 points in 40 games, was playing well with Evgeny Malkin, but his shooting percentage was way high. It was at 16.4 or something percent. Last year, I will say, it was a lot lower than his average. It was at, I believe, 8%. So I would expect him to finish somewhere in between there, and I would expect him to be better this year. I, I think he'll put up more than 32 points. But again, I was expecting the Penguins and Hextall to have him sign a show-me contract. The same thing that Heinen was on last year, the same thing that Evan Rodriguez signed after he was initially making $2 million with the Pittsburgh Penguins when they first acquired him from the Buffalo Sabres. I thought that's what was coming for Kasperi Kapanen. The fact that he was able to get a multi-year contract at the same cap number, that I believe is a misstep on Ron Hextall's part to me. Absolutely. We can see the missteps pretty all over the place here again i guess we should be i should be a little a little more easy on the him being a good player or not he we know he can perform we've seen it before mm -hmm. we don't care that he is back per se sure we, we don't mind him on the team he can perform at certain times and at certain levels he just has to prove it uh it is the cap number it is the two years and it's the fact that it is not a show me contract like his pretty clear peer in Danton Heinen got last year and again now Danton Heinen doesn't have a contract at all with anyone mm -hmm. um, and I think me always making that comparison in my head is really what pulls this down for me so um, the fact that Heinen isn't getting this if we would have signed Heinen to this money I thought of it, I would have thought it was an overpayment mm -hmm. but not by much and I would have accepted it a little more than I am with Kasperi Kapanen right now Yeah. Um, do I believe Kapanen can turn it around I don't know I don't know. He went all of last season not performing at all. I think mm -hmm. if he's able to turn it around, sure. I'll fine, whatever. Because it's not a high number. Three point two million dollars is not a high number in the ter in terms of hockey, especially free agency. But oh well, Max Domi's making less than him. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, comparables. But regardless, I think. It's an interesting deal. I'm not super excited about it, but I sure hope, I sure hope things can be fixed from it for him. Well, you kind of opened a box there when talking about next season for Kasperi Kapanen. So let's go through that door right now. What are your expectations for Kapanen this season? It can be a point expectation or just overall how you evaluate what you believe he's going to do for the Penguins this next season. I have to be confident. I have to be confident that he's going to score more than 32 points if let's say he plays all 82 i would hope it pushes 50 mm -hmm. 50 points i mean that's that's about where i think most people would like to see kasperi kapanen and i i agree i think that he could bounce back a big reason for why he wasn't playing well last year is he got off to such a slow start 
and then he never had the confidence to turn it around, and it just made his play worse and worse because he was forcing things to happen because he felt that pressure because his confidence wasn't there, and it was turnover city all over again, and all those turnovers made him look that much worse. If he can start from a better standpoint mentally this season and get off to a hot start, you're not going to see the same Kasperi Kapanen. You look at what he did last season. He had the lowest shooting percentage since 2017 at 8.5. The year prior, I mentioned it, 16.2% in 2019-20. If he can split the difference there, he's going to score more goals. I'm probably going to put him between 15 to 20 goals. I think if he gets to the 20 goal mark, you just ignore everything that we've said. You just say, all right, you know what? It worked out. Hextall looks like a genius now. I think he ends up between the 15 to 20 goal mark. If he ends up at 15, you say, okay, it's fine. It's still an overpayment. But if he ends up on the higher part of that spectrum, that's when you look at Hextall and say, oh, he must have seen something that most people didn't in Kasperi Kapanen between these past two seasons. And then when it comes to the point total, I, I agree with you. I think somewhere between 45 and 50 points is where I expect him to finish. This absolutely can be a home run of a deal. It can be. Mm-hmm. We just need to see it. I think... If he's able to do anything near what he did in um, 2021, which was in 40 games, he scored 30 points. Mm-hmm. All right, here, let's just double that up. If he can get anything like that, which would be 60 and 80, hell yeah. We will take that every day of the week, and then we'll look at that deal and go, great. Knocked it out of the park. It's a home run. Ron Hextall's a genius. It's a bargain we, at that point. Yeah, exactly. We don't have to <laughs> – I mean, Ron Hextall has done so much this summer already that it's – quite interesting that we look at this one deal and it just lowers his overall <clears throat> uh, performance from the summer mm-hmm. i do i eventually want to get into each move like into the dichotomy of each thing he's done in the story so we'll see where that goes but um it's impressive that this one deal can really bring down your thoughts on a general mm-hmm. manager and it's interesting because like you said he's made so many moves but i feel like his best move was his first move in re-signing Brian Russ. That was the best contract I think he signed all all offseason, the best trade, whatever. The best move he's made was that Brian Russ contract. And I feel like the worst move he's made is the latest one, is the Kasperi Kapanen one. So we always say sports is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately thing. And that same goes true here in the offseason for Ron Hextall. Now, I do want to touch on something before we move on to the next segment, and it's really about the Penguins' bottom six. I said a little bit earlier in the show right now that Kapanen is your best bottom six player right now. and We're all upset about where Kasperi Kapanen was signed to. So what does that say about the overall appearance of what is going to be the Penguins' bottom six? But what I want to ask Horwat, and I have a, a probably differing opinion than you, is what is your overall opinion of the bottom six? And do you think people are overreacting to what you're seeing right now? I don't think it's good. I mean, it's... Looking at the bottom six, it's uh, what? Carter and Bluger down the middle. We have Kapanen sitting down there. Brock again down there. Okay, those are fun. All, those, all four of those names are perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing better than that. Teddy Bluger's pretty good. Um, but then you start filling in with possible Ryan Paling. Josh Archibald was, was listed by name by Ron Hextall as someone who's going to be in the bottom six. So that's scary. Mm-hmm. Drew O'Connor might squeeze in there. Um, other names, like Redeem Zahorna might squeeze in. Uh, just And we'll talk about some of these uh, guys in the next segment, too. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah. 
but like, I really am just trying to list off the names that could go to the bo- go into the bottom six. And Dre Kajula, it's these are just like these are all question marks. Mm-hmm. And even I mean, in reality too, uh, Brock McGinn's kind of a question mark, and Kasperi Kaplan's a huge question mark. Suddenly, you have Chef Carter, who's old, Teddy Bluger, who's good and deserves more time, mm-hmm. and then four question marks on their wings. Mm-hmm. Way to go! It looks not good i'm not a fan of it because in what world are we going to see regular player josh archibald this isn't the arizona coyotes man Mm -hmm. this is the pittsburgh penguins who lived and died on their bottom six for two straight cup victories josh archibald included in that but not as a regular piece Mm -hmm. he was a fill-in and he wasn't even the 13th forward in that situation he Mm -hmm. did not play that much so it's scary as hell to see our bottom six look like this it's just not fledged out i really if anyone ironically enough he might be the one that plays at least out of the out of the names i've listed i want to see what drake kajula can do on this team mm-hmm. in the bottom six i like him in, as an idea down there on the fourth line everyone else i just don't know what to do with yeah he had a lot of promise as a depth piece in edmonton but we all know how depth pieces in edmonton usually pan out but, that's why I want to give him a shot here. Yeah, not, nonetheless, you still don't know. That's kind of a, a mystery box. Same with Archibald, because neither of those two guys really played at all last season. But he, here's my take, and I do think people are overreacting, but here is my take. It is bad. It looks really bad right now when you put the bottom six together. Whatever configuration you have, whoever you have is the third line center, fourth line center, any of the wings, it is a bad bottom six as of now. But I do think people are overreacting because... It's the projecting starting lineup for the beginning of the regular season. And when have we ever seen the starting lineup at the beginning of the season look identical or even somewhat similar to the one at the end of the season, particularly in the bottom six? There are so many opportunities for additions throughout the season. Not only is there stuff like waiver claims. We saw Mark Friedman get claimed off of waivers. All of a sudden, he's been our seventh defenseman for the past year and a half. A really good addition as well. You have waiver claims. You have trade opportunities, specifically whenever teams start to realize that they're not going to make the playoffs. Like, who knows? Maybe the Senators have a really bad start to the season. They're not going to make the playoffs. And some of these guys get easier to acquire. Or some of these guys that you're trying to get rid of get easier to trade, a la Marcus Pedersen which opens up opportunities for additions. Here's my overall point. This is the projected starting lineup. It will be so vastly different by the time the playoffs roll around. And I guarantee you, whether or not the Penguins' bottom six is good does not scare me in the least about the playoffs. Because you look at their top six, you look at their goaltending, and you look at what their defense will be. I think the Penguins will, at the very least, be in the conversation at that point of the season. And the the organization and the bottom six will look vastly different. I didn't even mention the fact that there is opportunity for younger players to come in. And all of a sudden, over summer, they've matured. They've gotten better. And they hit their own. They hit their stride. Sam Poulan is is a candidate for that. Pustinen is a candidate for that. Nathan Legare is a candidate for that. Am I saying that you should expect these guys to come up and be bottom six stalwarts by the end of the season? No. But is there a chance that one of the three of them hit? Yes. And if they do... Does that not make the bottom six look better? It does. So with everybody overreacting, it is just based on what it is, but it's not what it's going to end up being. So I think everybody needs to take a breath a little bit and not overreact to what you're seeing in the middle of July when we still even have two months before the season starts, let alone the midpoint of the season and the playoffs where the the lineup is going to look vastly different. 
Yeah, you, you, you're definitely looking further ahead than I am. I really am just kind of looking at what's on paper right now. And every time I have, I look at the bottom six, I do have to preface in my head that we're still over the cap. Um, something else has to change here. Something else has to be done here. Yeah. Might be to our defense and not our bottom six, but still. And our bottom you mentioned, like, I'm not going to argue or uh, throw an argument out there for sake of arguing, but our bottom six at the beginning of last year aside from the change of Zach Aston Reese, looked fairly similar to the one in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Carter and Bluger down the center. Granite injuries helped uh, Carter be bumped to the third. Maybe there was Rodrigo, but Rodrigo's already down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so things had to switch around and move and change. But um, Carter and Bluger down the center. We still had Heinen and McGinn on the left. And then I'm trying to remember the right. Capital was on the second line to start the season, I believe. Mm-hmm. But again, Zach Aston Reese and I think it was just Evan Rodriguez again. Yeah, that was. I mean, aside from Aston Reese, that was our bottom six in the postseason. I call bullshit. I I call bullshit. That was the bottom six, yes. But I call bullshit that you're saying it looked much better because Evan Rodriguez nobody liked going in the last season. I will argue that till death. Like there are certain people that liked him, but don't don't sit here and say that like the bottom six is in such a worse position when last year you looked at the right side and Evan Rodriguez and Zach Aston Reese and most people said you're getting no goal scoring from either of them. So if you're saying that it's okay because you look at last season it's so much it was so much better because you had Heinen who let's also not forget was hey, maybe he can turn it around, but the year prior he was awful in Anaheim and Evan Rodriguez who had never amounted to basically anything in his entire NHL career and say that it's so much better than, than what we have now, because realistically it's the same thing. It's magic eggs. We don't know what's going to happen because it's all people that we haven't seen. And also it, we don't even know even more so this year because there's so many different names that could go into that roster. Right. And I wasn't even trying to say that like uh, the bottom six was better or worse. I didn't oh, okay. want Evan. Ro- yeah. I don't want Evan Rodriguez in that bo- in our lineup at all until he started scoring. Yeah. I was saying that we had, like you had mentioned how the, the bottom six will change over the course of a mm-hmm. season. I was kind of saying how it really didn't for us. Mm-hmm. From the uh, Game one and game 82 is kind of the same, whereas games well, two through 81 were everything else because mm-hmm. of injuries and nonsense. But mm-hmm. overall, everything was kind of the same. Well, and, and I'll also argue that fact with this. The Penguins had nothing to do like no space to do anything and they right. needed a top six guy this year they're not going to need to add another top six winger so they're going to be able to focus on the bottom six and have more cap space to do so so i think you'll see more changes this year than last year just as a, as a peak argument to what you were saying i sure hope we have the cap space to do it because we have negative to do to do so right now well right now but they also it's easier to offload people when you don't have malkin at 9.5 Latang at 7.25 those guys coming down means if you move somebody else it opens the room for a bottom six guy which you're not going to need as much cap space to acquire a better bottom six forward boy i hope so that's that boy, i hope so that's where i'm at it might be a little hopeful but that's where i'm at but we're going to take a quick break yeah. oh sorry go ahead did you have one last thing also, to say? yeah because a lot of these guys that we listed off here paling archibald kujula i forget how many of them only one of them played more than like 10 games last season paling Paling. So these guys have to play first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, same thing as what I said earlier with, you know, Legger, Ray, Pustinen. If one of those three guys pans out, then you're fine. Like, you don't need all three of those guys to pan out. But the odds that one of them will be better than awful is pretty good. So that's what I'm hanging my hat on. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play a little game of more or less. We'll describe that after the break. 
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We talked about depth pieces there at the end. I don't want to get into this game of more or less. What we're basically going to do is we're going to look at some of these Pittsburgh Penguins players that played in short stints or played a little bit of the season last year, and we'll give our opinions on whether or not we're going to see more or less of them heading into this next year. And I want to start in that Penguins bottom six. That's where actually the first three names are going to come from because that's really where a lot of this is going to happen. But Drew O'Connor, young forward, bigger bodied guy, likes to play physical, showed a little bit of a forechecking acumen in the playoffs last year. He played in 22 regular season games last season, Horwat. Do you think we'll see more or less of Drew O'Connor next year? I'm going to say more because the te- the organization has spoken very highly of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're just going to not force feed them to us, but they are really are going to kind of make it a sink or swim season for them. They're going to toss them to the wolves and say, all right, now's your time. Do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to say that we see more of them just because the organization thinks it is his time to genuinely do the thing or find a new home. So I, I think it'll – be a bit of a forced we're gonna see more of him and it might and it might not be a bad thing in any sort of in any sort of way i think he's a good player i think he can really do something with this team he just has to you know do it mm-hmm. um so i think for better or worse it's going to be a force we'll see more of him mm-hmm. i kind of i don't know i feel like they've shown us in the offseason that they're not going to force a guy like drew o'connor into the lineup simply because they've added so many options down so I think there's going to genuinely be an open competition for those last, I believe we said two spots, because you have Bluger, Carter, McGinn, and Kapanen, who are all going to take the first four. So I think there's going to be genuine competition for the last two, but I do think Drew O'Connor does have a heads up, because one, he's played in the system before, he played 22 games last season, and a lot of people have spoken highly about him, from Mike Sullivan to Ron Hextall, they like the way he plays, he is a bigger body, which is something that... Brian Burke and and Hextall are looking for on the back end of both the forward and the defense core, but he also does bring a little bit of an offensive punch, more so than Zach Aston-Reese, probably less than Danton Heinen. That's that's where he's going to fit in, probably closer to the Zach Aston-Reese number than anything Danton Heinen did because he hasn't had a great season last year, but I think he does have a true shot to make the team out of camp, and if he does make that team out of camp, I think we see more than 22 games of Drew O'Connor. That's where I fall in this conversation. And if if he remains healthy, I can see him playing at least 50 games next season. Yeah, yeah, I could see that too. Mm-hmm. He, he'll become a fixture in the, in the bottom six for sure if he comes up and improves based on what we saw last year. I like the way he played in the playoffs. I don't know if you remember. I know he didn't play very much, but I like the way he played in the postseason. I thought that he was really good on the forecheck. I thought he played defensive-minded. I know he only had, like, I think six or seven minutes a game, but when he was out there, he was noticeable. And in a playoff series, that's so vastly important, especially from a guy who's probably going to maintain time on your fourth line. Yeah. Yeah, it, as long as he's able to suck up the minutes the correct way and not be a uh, just a uh, uh, just need not just needing help on the mm-hmm. ice and can do things himself, he'll be a bonus. He'll be a benefit. And I just I said the the more just because if if Ron Hextall lists you by name, mm-hmm. i.e. Josh Archibald as well, you stick out in my head. Mm-hmm. as, all right, you are someone that the team is going to focus on. Through hell or high water, something's going to happen with you. Mm-hmm. 
And that's kind of the path I'm taking with Drew O'Connor here, that while he is definitely earning his spot, um, and I agree with this one, it's just going to feel a little forced at times, and that's no big deal to me. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing as well. That youth isn't going to hurt either. We talked a lot on the last episode. Having a young forward in the bottom six is not going to hurt either. Exactly. So let's talk about somebody else. A little bit on the younger side. Let's talk about the big Z, big Z. Radim Zahorna played in 17 games last season. Horwat, this might be a hot take. I think he plays in less than 17 games this year. Me too. Me too. It just added too many names. And it feels like he was kind of losing his luster to the Penguins organization to begin with last year, didn't it? Yeah, because what was he supposed to be as an NHL player? That's the other thing, too. He came in as this big guy, 6'7". Mm-hmm. He came as this giant forward that can skate. Okay, what can he do? Mm-hmm. Can he, is, he a, is he a goal scorer? Well, he hasn't done too much of that. Right, he's got a big body. Can he, can he, does he lay hits? Does he, is he a, a grinder? Mm-hmm. He hasn't done much of that either. Is he in that front? Not really. What does he do? Nothing against Zahorn. He's been fun to watch play. He's mm-hmm. been a decent contributor. He's been a good call-up piece. But just what kind of player is he supposed to be? Because I noticed this last episode, he's, what, 27 now? Yeah. Yeah, he's Something on like the that. 26. He's on the older side and kind of needs to really lay claim to the kind of player he's going to be. Mm-hmm. And that has already need to have needed to have happened i think yeah um define yourself as you're you are this you are that you're because he's not much of anything he's just kind of guy Mm -hmm. and that's not ideal now don't get me wrong again you're only playing 17 games but you still have to we still have to know what we're getting Mm -hmm. because we need to put you in the right spots put you in the right situations um I mean, in 17 games, he was a plus 12, which is kind of impressive enough. Yeah. But, again, with six points, you just want to see more. And it seems like, looking at his Wilkes-Barre numbers, well, last season's at least, um, he's a goal scorer. 12 goals, 9 assists, and that's what he can be. But we didn't, we haven't really seen it here too much. It's hard when you're this big, by the way, because mm-hmm. hockey is so not a big-bodied sport anymore. Um, it's hard to really be... You know, six foot seven, six six. I guess I should get it correct. Six six and a good player in a way, or a useful player. You have to really define yourself, and he hasn't done that. Here's what I, here, I'll do it for you. I will define what Redeem Zahorna is as an NHL player. He is Anthony Angelo. He is a guy that once you have injuries is perfectly fine. I think I think Zahorn is a little bit better than Anthony Angelo to, to put that on the record. But it's what it is. Like that type of player. The I'm never going to be an everyday NHL player. But if you have an injury, perfectly serviceable. Perfectly serviceable. But I, I think when I look at the Penguins organization and what Ron Hextall has done this offseason, feels like they have more faith in guys like Archibald and Kajula to get spots over him. Now, he's probably going to be in the mix there and training camp for those last two spots. But I do feel like he he's a little bit behind those guys, and there's young guys coming up behind him that are probably going to push him out. I don't think Zahorna has the pure scoring talent to push guys out of the lineup, and he doesn't really play special teams. So there's nothing that screams, Redeem Zahorna needs to be in this lineup, 
when there's other guys like a Drew O'Connor where there's things that's like, yeah, that would be really useful. There's a guy like Valtteri Pustin who we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, he has the scoring talent. He He's younger. He has this and that. And, and that's something that Redeem's Horn is just lacking. So that's why I think less than seven games or 17 games. Maybe more than seven. Maybe more than seven, but less than I, 17. And I don't know about that either. We'll have to <laughs> wait and see. But definitely less than 17. So let's talk about Pustin. I just mentioned him. He played in one game. So realistically, this one's going to get interesting. Horvat, Valtteri Pustin in more or less than one game at the NHL level this year. Man, more, just, just because it's one, I'm going to say more, but okay. it's not by much. Mm-hmm. It is not going to be by much. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, this team has just added too many names that are going to jump them in line. Yeah. At... And not for the better in uh, in his case. They've just added too many names that are going to make the lineup before him. I.e. Drake Kajula, Josh Archibald, mm-hmm. Ryan Paling. Let's toss in the re-signing of Alex Nylander in there. Maybe Sam Poulin gets in before him. Maybe Redeem Zahorna gets in before him. Mm-hmm. There's too many names all of a sudden in front of him in line. Not to his benefit. Mm-hmm. So will he get more than one game? Probably. Uh, probably might get two or three. That's a <laughs> bonus. Um, but let's say he had played the Redeems of Horner number last year, 17. I would have said less just because there are so many names in front of him. Mm-hmm. So put it this way. I'm thinking he's going to get more than one. Might not get more than five. Yeah. While there is quantity in the number of people ahead of him, I feel like, heading into training camp, the quality has come down. We talked about it earlier in the show. Because last year, you look at the people that are that are gone from last year that were in the roles that Pustin would fill. Danton Heinen, Evan Rodriguez, even Brian Boyle. Those guys are gone. Pustinen is a guy who, who he is younger. He's the seventh round pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He is a scoring threat. He's not really a defensive force. He's more of a scoring type guy. He led Wilkes-Barre in points last year. I don't think he makes the team out of camp, which is what I was hoping at the outset of the summer. When I look at the landscape now, I don't believe that Valtteri Pustinen makes the team out of camp. But I'm going to stake my claim right here, and we can we can mark it. We can come back to it. It could be old takes exposed. I think Valtteri Pustinen is a lineup regular by the end of this season. And I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that. I, that's something I want to see. I want to see some, just some injection of youth scoring and youth production on this team he could be a key piece to that especially with Bjorkwist going back to back to uh, it's another Finland. name mm-hmm. uh, well he can't come back now he has to at least play there a year so we'll, well come yeah back to I mean that's year. another name that's but, not in front of Pustinen yeah it's another name that's not there for sure um and I just listed those names because sometimes when it comes to call-ups if you know they're just gonna be short-term you go for the NHL experience over actual skill mm-hmm. that's kind of what makes certain call-ups really questionable um so it'll just be interesting to see where that one goes specifically because we know he doesn't have the nhl experience and he's only played one game he's a point per game player but you, <laughs> but still Shut up. from there it's like i mentioned you got kajula who could really who could really be a solid bottom six contributor you have uh now the names escape me ryan paling who's another young guy who can do stuff in the future um maybe redeems a hornet because he has a little bit more nhl experience and is more defined in who he is just depends on how 
things play out. I just still don't see it because there are so many names in front of them. Mm-hmm. It is weird because you mentioned that, and I, I fully agree that if it's a spot start or you're stepping in for an injured player for five, three or four games, they usually go for the Anthony Angelos, Redeem Zahornas, and I, I'm sure that'll be the same here. But they did bring up Pustin for that one game and then send him down, which was a little strange. But I do agree. If Pustin gets brought up this year, it's going to be because he's undeniably outgrown the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and outgrown the AHL level of play not because of injury. I think there are other guys in, ahead of them for that. So, But I still believe that, that he'll be up by the end of the season. I, can, I hope so. Mm-hmm. So let's move over to the final one of this segment and this going to the blue line because there's been so many moves on the Pittsburgh Penguins blue line. Bringing in three more defensemen, sending out only two, and now they're at nine. And I think when you look at the, the depth chart, the guy that sits at fifth on both the left and the right side is probably Mark Friedman. Friedman played in 26 games last season. Horwat, will we see Mark Friedman for more or less than 26 games next season? I would hope more. Yeah? I would hope more. But that that Pedersen move has to happen, I think. Oh, man, but some of the things that have been said about this defense, that it might be set in stone now, is kind of freaky. I mean, Mike DeFable did have a very good point on the fan not too long ago that Okay, trade Patterson. We know Dumoulin's an injury-prone player, though. Yeah. And what? Now who are you down to? Because you got rid of Mike Matheson. Mm-hmm. Who are you down to? P.O. Joseph? That doesn't sound fun on the first line yet. Uh, uh, who? I'm forgetting names now. Ty Smith? He has to rebuild his career first. Career. He's in his third year. He's got to rebuild his play first. Mm-hmm. All right. Mark, Mark Friedman? Third pairing at best. Who? A fun third pairing defenseman. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, yeah, I think he made a very good point there. Just I, unless we ship off Dumoulin and we have that much faith in Patterson to be the one, the one left. Um, yeah, I think Friedman probably plays. Yeah, I'm gonna say he plays more than 26, just because mm-hmm. how injury prone our defense really is this year. He yeah. can play either side. We've seen him play either side, and is the easy spot fill. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Ty Smith is yet. Maybe he gets, maybe he gets healthy scratched quite a lot because he just hasn't been able to do it. Maybe he right, starts Mark. in Wilkes-Barre. Exactly. Exactly. So then there's Mark Friedman right there. Mm-hmm. What if, like we mentioned, what if Dumoulin gets hurt? You have to bump Pedersen up. All right, well, then there's Mark Friedman in as your third pairing. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. There's a couple games there. Even on the right side, suddenly we didn't want Jan Rudo around that long, even though we just re- even though we signed him and didn't trade for him. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's traded off. Well, now we needed the spot on the right side. Friedman filled in. I don't know. There's a lot that can happen, so I'm going to say Mark Friedman plays more because he's a Hextall guy, for one. Yeah, he is. He is. And two, he is a ton of fun to watch and can be a good third-pairing defenseman. Um, and we know this team is not shy about injuries. Mm-hmm. So I say he plays more than 26. Mark Friedman drafted, claimed, and re-signed all by Ron Hextall and for two different organizations. That is his guy. Let's not forget, and I, I'm right, I wrote a story for InsideThePenguins.com on Mark Friedman and how his, his role is so undefined now after all these moves. It kind of leaves him in the woods. But the one thing that you realize is he was drafted initially by Hextall. He was the first move made by Ron Hextall when he got the Penguins job. Just 10 days after he got hired, Mark Friedman was claimed from the Philadelphia Flyers. And he got re-signed in March. Like, this isn't just a re-signing that happened a while ago. This is a re-signing in March when Ron Hextall, you have to believe, 
had the understanding that something might happen in the offseason where I'm going to have to trade and reshape my defense. Friedman is clearly a part of Hextall's plans. It's just undefined as to where that is. Is that a fail-safe? Is that somebody that he wants to use? Clearly, whenever the defense is, is moving towards a heavier and, and, and larger role on the back end, the 5'11 Mark Friedman, you wouldn't think, kind of fits into that. But the way he plays almost does because he, he's kind of a pit bull out there. So it's weird. I'm going to say less because it seems like he is number nine of nine NHL-ready defensemen right now. And even if a trade happens, he is number eight of eight NHL defensemen. And I don't think he gets in for more than 26 games. I think he's going to end up being an injury replacement for the bottom pair. Not totally wrong about that either. We just have such a log jam that something needs to get figured out. Mm -hmm. Huh. It's an interesting situation, especially because we're sitting here on July 25th. Yeah. And we know there's something that has to happen. Like, we know there's another shoe to drop while we're talking about this. But as it stands right now, I just I don't see how Mark Friedman gets into that defense unless there's an injury. They're not going to play Ty Smith in the first half of the year. Like, if their plan for Ty Smith is go down to the minors, regain your confidence, recapture your, your game that you showed in your rookie year two years ago, and then we'll bring you up. And the same goes for P.O. Joseph, then maybe. But that's a lot of thens and ifs for Mark Friedman to play over 26 games, which is over a quarter of the season. And obviously, you know the Penguins are injury prone, but you just hope that that's not the case this season. So you don't know what's going to happen with that. Because if you look at last year, after a rough start, the Penguins were healthy on the blue line for the majority of the year. So I don't know. I just have a feeling that we're not going to see a lot of Friedman this year. That could be true, too. That could be true, too. We just know GMs love their guys. <laughs> Speaking of GMs, let's move over and finish this episode off with our weekly Pens poll, which we asked, will Penguins GM Ron Hextall trade another defenseman before the start of training camp? Not the start of the season, but before the start of training camp. And if so, who will it be? The majority of voters on our Twitter page at Iceberg Podcast said, yes, there will be a trade before training camp. And yes, it will be Marcus Pedersen. 58% of the vote goes to yes and Marcus Pedersen. 22% believe that Brian Dumlin gets traded before the start of training camp. 15% just flat out said, no, there's not going to be another trade before training camp. And 5% said, yes, but it's not going to be one of the two listed above. Rory said it'll be either Friedman or Rue Weedle, thinking a depth piece gets moved. Brandon said it should be Dumo, but it's probably going to be Marcus Pedersen. Our good buddy State of Hoppy, friend of the show, says why not both, which would open up a whole lot of cap space for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but would leave the Penguins with a very interesting left side, that's for sure. And Wesley said maybe POJ, but most likely Marcus Pedersen. Horwat, let me pose the question to you. Will there be another trade? And if so, who do you believe it will be before training camp? I don't think there's going to be another one. Really? I really don't. We're not going to... He may have one year left, and his play may have just deteriorated into all hell. I don't see us trading away Brian Dumoulin. We brought Chris Letang back, and he, and he is probably going to want his buddy. So I don't see him going anywhere. Mm-hmm tack on modified no trade he's gonna use that to the fullest extent most likely because Mm -hmm. um who knows how he who knows what kind of spot he'd be in on any other team in this league Mm -hmm. um 
then there's Marcus Patterson. Like I had mentioned before, Mike DeFaba made a great point. What if Dumoulin gets hurt and you're down to, again, first line left defense, P.O. Joseph, second line, Ty Smith, third line, Mark Friedman, suddenly, oh my goodness, you're getting turnstiled. Nothing against those guys. I'm sure they're all great at defense, but they're all question marks in the NHL still. Especially as a first pairing guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially as first, second pairing guys for those two. Mm-hmm. It's That's questionable. That is very questionable. Um, so I think Patterson sticks around despite everyone's knowledge. I, I mean, in overall, I would want Dumoulin to be the one that gets traded. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see – he's also probably the easiest one to move because he has one year left. Mm-hmm. You can flex that muscle. If he's got one year left, we, won't, we don't need much back, how, however you want to roll with it. Um, but I just don't see that one happening. I, the Ruido one's interesting. The Ru, the Ruido one's very interesting, I think. I didn't think of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's really not much else. I, 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 for the love of God, don't want to trade P.O. Joseph. But since he's not Hextall's guy, that my hopes and dreams could be crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's at least a player you can get a lot back for. I just don't see another trade happening now. I just don't anymore because... We're pretty set in stone, it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, down the left, Dumoulin, Pedersen, maybe P.O. Joseph, maybe Ty Smith. Down the right, Latang, Petrie, hopefully Jan Ruda. Nothing against Chad Ruedel, but I'd want to see what Jan Ruda could do in this organization first. Mm-hmm. And then your first guys up are Ruedel and Friedman. Mm-hmm. Or Ty Smith. It's it's a log jam, yeah, but I mm-hmm. think it's I think we're stuck with it for yet another season. So strap in. I think there is going to be a trade. That's where I am. But Boy, I hope so. I just don't think there is. <laughs> but not before training camp. That's 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 now I see. That's where I sit. I feel like right now, especially we we've, we've talked about it several times on this show. The Pittsburgh Penguins are prone to getting injured, and last year. They didn't really take it on the chin as much on the blue line, which means, you know, law of averages this year might not go well for the, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it does. But if somebody gets injured on the blue line, there's a lot of question marks there. And P.O. Joseph, is he ready? Ty Smith, can he bounce back and be the guy we've seen? Mark Freeman, can he handle a heavier workload? Jan Ruda, can he? Jeff Petrie, what is he? Brian Dumlin, he's coming off a torn MCL. There's a lot of questions on the blue line. So I, I feel like that's something that Ron Hextall doesn't want to gamble with going into next season. He's, and it's easier that maybe at some point next season you say, okay, we're a little further down the road. Our bottom six needs some help. And we can we can see that P.O. Joseph has had a pretty good season so far in Wilkes-Barre. Ty Smith seems to be turning around at a new organization. Mark Friedman seems consistent. Jeff Petrie is playing really well. Then he can take the gamble and say, all right, Dumoulin or Pedersen, one of those two can get traded. Probably Dumoulin because he's on an expiring contract. And at that point, that opens up the space for a bottom six guy. But I think that Ron Hextall, looking at the question marks on the blue line, I think that he might... Now, of course, nobody actually knows. I'll say that. He might be looking at this and saying, I want to hold as many cards as I can in case of emergency early in the season. And then as the year progresses, he says, okay, I'll take that gamble to get that help in the bottom six. That That's where I feel that he is at. I think there's going to be a trade coming. I don't think he gets through the entire season without trading another defenseman. But I don't think it happens before training camp. No, I, I definitely don't think he makes it through the, through the season. Mm-hmm. I hope. 
Man, like I said, like I want, I do want to see another trade happen. I just don't foresee it. I don't know why. I just think we're uh, and plus like, these names aren't bad names, by the way. Let's just also be honest with ourselves here. Mm-hmm. Chris Letang, we know what he can do for at least the next four seasons. Jeff Petrie's going to be an interesting name, but at least we know this season he might be pretty okay. Jan Rude is coming off of three straight appearances in the Stanley Cup final. I think he's going to be okay, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a key, not a key contributor, but he was a good piece for those Lightning teams all three seasons. So I could see him being a decent piece here in the in the right role. Down the left side, Dublin's got to rebuild his stuff, man. He really does. But we know what he's done before, and we know – and we hope he can do it again, despite aging and despite continuously being injured. Mm-hmm. I think Marcus Pedersen is also at the point, much like Redeem Zahorna from earlier in this episode. He's got to really define who he is as an NHL player. I, I mean, I disagree. He I think he, I think he's defined himself as a really stout defensive defenseman. He's a top four defenseman. I don't think he's a top line defenseman, but he is a top four defenseman that plays a really stay at home style, and I think he does it pretty well. It's just he does it for a cap number that doesn't really match what he brings to the team. That's Maybe that's what I'm looking at. That's there. the issue. But, yeah, maybe that's what I'm looking at there. But something needs to give and he needs to really improve and make that number worth it. Mm-hmm. Then you got Ty Smith. He just needs to rebuild his, rebuild his play. P.O. Joseph has to really get be given a shot. Mm-hmm. Mark Friedman. As much as we love watching Mark Friedman play, there just might not be room. So it's interesting. I want to see something happen, but I just doubt it. Well, we'll have to wait and see, and if something does happen, you know the first place that you should come to talk about it or listen to us talk about it is the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back Thursday with a brand new episode, more Penguins talk to come as we are winding down the month of July, heading for a hopefully slow month, uh, hopefully not slow month, to be completely honest. I would love to see some Penguins news in the month of August, but nonetheless, we'll be back on Thursday with more Penguins talk. Thank you guys so much. Have a great week, Pens fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.